Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. What is up, Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast listeners, Matthew Betts? Matt Okada, John Helmkamp, back on the mic this afternoon. It is Saturday, the day after Jonathan Taylor runs a 4-3-9-40. John, yes. how are you feeling this morning? Yes! Mm. How's it going, man? Amped. I am so good. I am still just aglow from Jonathan Taylor's combine performance. Absolutely amazing. Loving it. Yeah, and if you were following along with the NFL Combine uh, yesterday on Friday, so recording this on Saturday, uh, John took over the Red Shirts FF Pod handle on Twitter and did a great job. Um, it was fun to watch because in my head I'm picturing John just going absolutely nuts watching the TV when Jonathan Taylor is running a four three nine forty, Cam Akers footwork, etc. We're gonna get into all that uh, tonight. Before we do, let's check in with Okada because I don't know, John. I, I was getting worried for a, a minute there. It felt like Okada either left us or quit. I don't know. He just kind of vanished. <laughs> Okada, what is new, man? Um, Combine season is what's new, Bets. Let me tell you something. You think, if you work for the NFL, that when the season ends, you get to lay your head back and relax. <laughs> Psych! That's the wrong number! I am currently in the middle of, I believe... Uh, 12, 11 or 12 straight working days. Um, and Sunday I go in at 7am and get off around 6pm. So that'll be a fun one. Um, but you know what? It's not that bad because uh, I'm working all these total accesses, the, uh, combine post total accesses. So basically what I do is go in and sit with the talent and watch the combine all day, and then we do one hour show. Yeah, at the end of the um, day. I'm going to speak for, much for John life. on this one. We don't feel bad for you at all because your job <laughs> is literally to watch football all day and analyze it. Mm. So I feel nothing for you uh, at all. Um, Okada, real quick, <laughs> yeah. fill us in. Is there anything going on around the network that people are super excited about with the combine? Names that are buzzy, things that are kind of you know hot topic that people are really really excited about what they saw over the last two days. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say anything that's super out of the ordinary. Uh, for the most part, kind of the buzz that you, that starts happening at the Combine naturally based off what people are doing is the buzz that we hear around. Sometimes, um, like if we, like, yeah, last night we had a couple running backs on, uh, Terrell Davis and LaDainian Tomlinson, and they will pick up on a couple, we'll specifically target a couple like smaller names that they like based off their combine performances and sort of run with that a little bit and watch more of their tape and make some breakdowns of those. So sometimes we'll get a little bit of that kind of stuff. Uh, big, big fans of Cam Akers yesterday, oh, yes. which I'm sure we may talk about at some point. We will point, do that so. for sure. We're going to get into yeah, it's fun. Uh, the biggest risers and fallers after the combine. Of course, you know, recording this on Saturday, there's still defensive players to go, but for the purposes of our show, we'll focus mostly on uh, skill position, you know, tight end, running back, wide receiver, and quarterback, um, and really get into kind of what we were thinking pre-combine process versus after. And then, of course, we'll break it all down for weeks and weeks and weeks until the NFL draft happens. And then, of course, things will change 
completely at that point. Yes. So before we get into that, reminder for all of you, you can find us online, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. John's top 10 running back rankings article is up. I imagine that will change after some combine uh, breakdown. But, you know, you can find our dynasty rankings there, other articles, etc. We are online uh, as well as on social media platforms at Richards FF Pod, and now on YouTube where you can watch all of our videos uh, after the fact and look at Okada's beautiful mustache, John's beautiful beard, and my lack of facial hair. So we will get into all that and more. Find us there. All right, guys, let's get into some news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh. In very fitting fashion, Okada comes back onto the show. We have to talk about Tom Brady. Um, now, John, you and I just talked about this. Uh, I believe we recorded last on Tuesday. Yep. And we were discussing the, the possibility of the Titans making a run at Tom Brady. Now ESPN's Jeff Darlington coming out with a quote saying, quote, I'm, not at, I'm now at the point where I would be stunned if Tom Brady went back to New England. Okada, I got to kick it right back over to you. Give me your thoughts. You think? Uh, clickbait. <laughs> uh, clickbait, ooh-ha-ha, as they would say in Finding Nemo. Um, listen, here's the thing. Tom Brady and the Patriots have not begun discussing a contract for this upcoming season and possibly beyond. The reason for that is that the new CBA is not yet ratified, and the ratification of this new CBA will matter massively to how any new deals look. This is also probably largely why Dak Prescott has also not signed his deal, um, and news came out yesterday they may, or that they will probably use the exclusive franchise tag on him if they don't get him signed to a deal. The CBA is expected to be ratified sometime this coming week. And when it does, these people are going to have contract talks, okay? And as soon as they have contract talks, Tom Brady and the Patriots are going to figure something out. If they don't, uh, he may leave before or right at free agency, March 18th, when he becomes a free agent. But until they have an opportunity to have these talks, I don't think it's really worth speculating about, oh, they haven't had any talks and he's... His agent's talking to other people, so he must be leaving. I think it's a little bit of clickbait. Um, I don't think that necessarily means that it's not true in the sense that he, Tom Brady himself believes he's likely to leave, but I don't think that we can really make any calls until they, the Patriots and Brady, have a chance to talk yeah, I think the that's, CBA gets in That's place. probably fair. I mean, certainly right now, it's this is the hottest time of the year just for speculation and for trying to get headlines out there that you know we're so desperate for nfl content that at this point in the year like there's always something that we want to talk about and now this is kind of a, a big hot topic i've also seen reports that the raiders and the chargers are ready to basically make a run at him so it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens because you know if you asked me a month ago i'd be like there is absolutely zero percent chance he's out of new england and at this point I don't know. I put it at what, like 10%. I still, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't know how he's not in New England to finish his career uh, there. Obviously, uh, the best of all time to do it. Next piece of news here, um, and this is kind of, you know, more speculation, but is really interesting in that Kenyon Drake is reportedly seeking 8 to $10 million per year annually. Now, Arizona is a little bit um, strapped when it comes to cash. In the salary cap, they are 20th in the NFL in terms of how much money they have uh, to use and to play around with. 
with free agency, obviously with uh, re-signing certain players, etc. John, do you think he commands this amount of money, and do you think that's accurate for him? And if so, can the Cardinals figure out a way to get him on their roster? So I really like Kenyon Drake. Um, I liked him in Miami when he was trapped under the thumb of Adam Gase. Um, obviously came over to Arizona, made a fantastic run during the second half of the season, uh, finished out incredibly strong. I still feel like that's a little rich for a running back that, um, you know, he's, he's not, he's not an old running back by any means, but he's, he's got some wear on the tires. He's been in for a while. He's basically asking for eight to $10 million a year for half of a good season. Um, that seems a bit rich. So, if that's really what he's uh, going to try commanding, I, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to offer him that kind of money. Um, that and they're still kind of stuck with David Johnson. Um, they don't really have a means of getting rid of him unless they can find a trade partner uh, because of the cap hit that they'd take in uh, in dead cap if he if they'd were to just cut him. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it'd be interesting. I, I think that's a bit of a high number. Um, you know, maybe... I mean, you, you, you're you not going to get it unless you ask, right? Like, you have to put it out there that you want that much money. Maybe someone's going to give them that much. Maybe no one does. And then the Cardinals are still the best offer that's on the table for him, and he takes it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if 8 to 10 per year is uh, in the cards for him. Oh, what a pun. John, you had to try that. Aha, I did. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Very proud awesome. um, I love dad jokes. <laughs> the the issue with this is that they still have $13 million per year about going to David Johnson. So yeah. if you're going to tell me they're going to pay the running backs, just two out of probably three or four on the roster, $23 million per season. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money to be tied up in the running back position. If this is what he's commanding, I mean, I feel like each day that passes, I'm almost seeing a, a more likely scenario that David Johnson and some other rookie running back are leading the way for the Cardinals this season. With that being said, Okada, what's your temperature on David Johnson in Dynasty? I mean, I feel like no one wants him. He's, you know, two years ago, he was a stud. Ooh. At this point, everyone thinks he's washed. What If, if you're going to go out and try to get David Johnson on the cheap, what are you going to try to trade for? Hmm. Well, first of all, if I'm going to try to go out and get David Johnson on the cheap, I'm going to do it right now. Because if Kenyon Drake does sign a deal, that destroys David Johnson. Um, so, well, I guess if I'm trying to get him, I might wait until that and then get him super cheap. But the problem with that is I don't, right, I don't, right, don't think I'm right. getting anything worth buying at that point. Um, unless they somehow make a trade, send him somewhere else, have the other team take up a bunch of his contract. Perhaps a certain mm. location in Florida where the head coach basically keeps saying that he Without wants David it. Johnson. Uh, I'm talking about Bruce Arians. Yes, in Tampa Bay. Uh, that would be really interesting, and I think that would be great for David Johnson. The way things stand currently, I don't think you should have to give up more than a late second, honestly, to get him maybe a third. You might be able to get him for a third. Um, and if he does end up going somewhere else, or if they don't sign Kenyon Drake and they do believe that he's back, that could end up being a value. So I certainly might be sending out offers. I think that's fair. What do you guys I mean, I feel that? like that that's fair, but I don't know if that gets it done because if you're owning David Johnson, then you know, you're know you going to know, mm -hmm. okay, this guy's going to try to get him cheap. Like, Why would I 
I might as well just hold on to him at that point and see what happens. I mean, you're in the same boat. I honestly think if you own David Johnson, you're stuck. Um, and I do in, in a just couple like of dynasty leagues. And mm. yeah, and, and I don't know what to do with him. Honestly, mm. it's kind of an yeah. enigma. Um, one thing that I think is kind of interesting is if he does go to Tampa, as you're alluding, Okada. I think it was last year. Was there a team? I think there was a quarterback. I want to say it was Ryan Tannehill that was paying. The, the Dolphins are paying like half of his salary or something like that for him to play with the Titans. I don't know if I'm correct on saying that, but that's a scenario that I could see playing out. Yeah. The Cardinals want to get money off their books and say, you know, okay, mm-hmm. we'll trade you to Tampa, but you pay half the salary and we'll pay half or, or something like that. Might be more likely to happen, but with that $13 million price tag, kind of hard to see that uh, shaking out. All right, guys, we got one more uh, you know piece of news and, and more injury updates to get into. But before we do... I want to let everyone know about our first sponsor of tonight's show, and that is John Williams Training. And if you listened to the show last time, you heard us introduce our new sponsor. John is a very good friend of mine. He is a personal trainer and, and you know performance coach. Knows what he's doing. Knows his stuff. He's not going to basically train you as any other you know uh, personal trainer would. He's going to give you good, solid training. He is going to make you strong, lean, get your endurance up. The student knows his stuff, and he started his own business in Naples, Florida. And what he's doing is really unique in the fitness industry. Essentially, what he's doing is online training. So you uh, you pay a small fee per month, and then he works with you to reach your goals, set a program for you, and then he lets you go do it. So it's not like someone's standing over top of you on the bench press yelling uh, at you to go harder and, and do more. So different type of training, very unique. I support him in everything he does. Good friend. Check him out online, tinywhiteboardworkouts.com or on Instagram tiny whiteboard workouts check him out there uh good friend of the show john williams all right guys we have some injury news to get into we're going to talk about a couple of of, you know rookies that are coming into the league that have some foot issues thaddeus moss out of lsu van jefferson out of florida are going to undergo surgery for jones fractures in their feet and uh what this is is basically a break of the fifth metatarsal so the the bone on the outside of the foot um really common to have that happen when you don't really um, know the cause of your pain. So it's kind of one of those problem spots that we see in rehab where people overtrain and they, they end up breaking this bone. And that's part of what the NFL combine is for is these medical checks. That's where it was found. And so essentially both these guys will undergo surgery to address that issue. Now for reference, this is the same surgery that several other notable players have had. Julio Jones, Julian Edelman, Des Bryant, uh, you name it, you know, big stars have had this issue. And really what it comes down to is whether or not people need a second surgery to address um, complications from the first surgery. The rate for that is about 20%. But with that surgery, usually what happens is, you know, players try to come back from this surgery in season, not a full off season to heal. So with that being said, I actually feel pretty confident about Moss and Jefferson here in their first season in the NFL. But do either of you guys have concerns about if this will affect their draft position, and if that will affect kind of how we see them in fantasy and dynasty. Um, uh, help me out here, Betts, because I get the the injuries with names confused sometimes. This is yes, very, very different, different from a Liz Frank injury, right? Is this anywhere near as... Uh, I feel like a Liz Frank is super detrimental in the long term. You always feel like it might flare back up uh, or something. Is this similar different. to that? It's, um, it's more of a... Really. It's more of a surgery that usually requires about a full season to kind of get to full strength and really kind of get past the initial wave of 
um, soreness. Sometimes you can get complications where the, the hardware that's put in the bone gives athletes pain when they're still trying to push through. So the, the bone itself isn't really, you know, broken anymore. There's no problems with it, but the screw in there can kind of wear in a funny way and cause pain. And so some people have a second surgery to remove the hardware after the fact. But in terms of long-term performance, we see this have better outcomes than the Liz Frank. Okay, good. All right. Perfect. Yeah. That's all I want to say about that. <laughs> okay, good. Moving on. Uh, the Make next sure. injury piece of news here, Mohamed Sanu will undergo surgery to address his high ankle sprain from last uh, last season. And, you know, he, he rehabbed it for a few weeks, tried to come back. And the issue with these is that usually it takes, um, you know, it takes several months to really get back to full strength without having surgery. And some players never really do get back to 100%. And that's the case here with Sanu. Now, last season, you know, with the Patriots, Okada, I'm going to be kind in saying this, the offense was not good. Uh, but Julian Edelman, completely banged mm. up, hurt the entire season. Mohamed Sanu, obviously not himself. I mean, they didn't really have a tight end. Are we saying Tom Brady's done before he's actually done? What do you guys think? Uh, no, because I think that they, well, if they intend to re-sign him at all, and this will certainly be involved in these contract talks that hopefully they have in the next week, a lot of those talks are going to be, who are you going to get me on the outside? Who are you going to get me at the end of this offensive line that can replace Rob Gronkowski? I don't want to play here if I'm throwing to half of Muhammad Sanu, three quarters of Julian Edelman, and no one else. So if the and you know, listen, Bill Belichick wants to go win a championship. The main or the often discussed reason for getting rid of Tom Brady or letting Tom Brady walk is Bill wants to go win one by himself. He's not going to win one by himself if this is his team and he doesn't have Tom Brady because only Tom Brady can make championships out of this this, this crappy of a roster. So listen, Bill, you're going to have to improve this roster either with Tom Brady or with offense or both. I think it's most likely both, but I think they certainly have to get the pieces around whoever the quarterback's going to be. So I expect them to draft a couple guys, maybe sign a guy. Um, I don't think Sanu will be very yeah, valuable, but I they've do got think to get younger. Um, I mean, both Sanu and Edelman are are both over thirty. Um, you know, Sanu's thirty right now; will be thirty one in August. Uh, Julian Edelman's what? How old is he? I don't know, John. How old 31? are you? Aren't you Julian Edelman? I am Julian what? Edelman. <laughs> You've never seen us in the same place. True, um, true. We'll just say that he is thirty three. Uh, he will be thirty four in May. Um, so they need to get younger, um, on offense. Um, yeah, I think that this is going to be one of those things where they're going to have to, well, one, Nikhil Harry needs to step up in year two. Um, we need to see a healthy Nikhil Harry and, and I really think that he can, and obviously he was an incredible prospect coming out. Um, so that'll help big dynasty buy, big dynasty buy on buying Nikhil Harry. Um, yeah. And that's just it. Tom Brady, you know, was working with a bunch of scrubs essentially outside of Julian Edelman. Um, and people are saying that he's completely toast. I don't think he is. Is he declining? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the arm strength that he used to, but he's still plenty capable. Like he's so smart. He's such a student of the game. It's kind of like Drew Brees. Drew Brees doesn't have the big arm that he used to have either, but his completion percentage was the best that he's ever had. Um, he makes great decisions. He knows how to manipulate safeties with his eyes. 
Brady's the same way. So I think that he's, you know, just like Okada was saying, they're going to need to basically promise Tom, okay, we want you back. We're going to bring you back, but we're also going to bring in like three or four offensive players via uh, free agency in the draft uh, to try and really beef that up. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, honestly, I feel like the three of us could have made a better wide receiver room <laughs> than what was happening there in New England last year. I agree <laughs> with you guys. Nikhil Harry, really interesting buy. I mean, some people consider him the 101 in rookie drafts mm-hmm. last year. Um, I know I had him at, I think, two or three, you know, right as, as we were doing rookie drafts. So I wasn't quite as high on someone like a Josh Jacobs. But yeah, I mean, if that was the price last year, what are you guys buying for this season in the offseason? I think you can get them for a mid second. I think probably. I think that gets it done. Um, That sounds right to me too. When you think about him going in the early first last year in rookie drafts, you're getting a steal. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to write myself a quick note here: Nikhil Harry trade. (laughs) All right. Who's got him in our league bets? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to go look it up before you do. Uh, John and I are playing in a a dynasty league with some other people in the industry, and it's it's been super fun. Um, Sorry, Okada. Yeah, Okada's on the outside looking in. Sorry, dude. Mm. Yeah. I don't have enough uh, time for more leagues, so I'm fine. Uh, Last piece of injury news here. Jameis Winston played through apparently vision issues last year. Uh, All jokes aside, had LASIK surgery this offseason. And now, uh, reportedly, was playing with a torn meniscus in his knee um, and underwent surgery right at the end of the season to remove a small piece of the tear. Um, now, we've talked about this a lot on the show, especially in season, where it's you know it's about a two to four week recovery. It's not anything major. It's not anything super concerning for long term. Um, but I think it just kind of speaks to what Jameis was going through last year. And honestly, hats off to the guy. He didn't miss a single game despite playing with that issue. And it does affect your mobility. Jameis isn't really known for being the most mobile quarterback, but can he improve uh, the offense on the ground through his legs? Yes, he can. And can he move around in the pocket? Yes, he can. Now, if those two things were affected by this injury at all last season, you could say maybe he was not stepping into his throws naturally. Maybe he wasn't as mobile in the pocket. Am I making too many excuses for Jameis Winston, or am I just an absolute truther? John's shaking his head yes. Okada's shaking his head no. Okada, you go first. All right, listen, if Jameis Winston signs with the Buccaneers, and I think that, that I would consider that more likely than not, although Bruce Arians is so oh, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. This. I have no idea. What is he saying? Um, but listen, if he's back, I think he's possibly the one of the biggest dynasty buys in the league right now. I think that this team could take a big step forward. I think they're going to go get a running back that gives them a semblance of a ground game that they have not had to, you know, give defenses a little bit of fear. Um, I think the defense could get better. I think this whole team could take a step forward. And if they re-sign Jameis Winston, and he comes back with (laughs) eyeballs and a full knee, and that receiving core, holy mackerel, I could see him... Raising those touchdowns by 10, whoa, dropping whoa, whoa, those whoa, interceptions whoa. by 40, 10 20, or more. 40 20 yeah. Yes. I could easily see Jameis <laughs> jumping into top five or six conversation very shortly. Now, I'm not saying this entirely because his knee is fixed or his eyes are fixed, but I am saying knees fixed, eyes fixed. Uh, it will possibly, the, probably the best young receiving core in the league. 
Maybe adds a running back. Maybe gets a little bit better on the offensive line. Second year in Bruce Arian's system. Every single arrow is pointing out for Jameis Winston, except for where he's going to be next season, because that one we don't know. Uh, but I'm in, I'm willing to go out there okay, and take the so, risk on it and buy him now. <laughs> 4020 to me <laughs> sounds absolutely ludicrous for Jameis Winston. I agree with a lot of... I mean, he just threw 5,000 yards. If not he if he's throwing 33 yards, he can't picks, throw 40 touchdowns. Like, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Well, got to bring like, it down listen, to 20. I, I'm with you in a lot, of this, a lot of the regards. I do think that it's too soon to give up on Jameis Winston with it only being the first year in Bruce Arians' system. And, and there's a lot being said about Arians' system not being an easy one, right? Like, it, it's, it's a bit of Definitely. a complex system. It takes a little bit of time. Um, I mean, I said it on one of our pods last month that I think that they should bring him back because I think that he deserves a second season uh, to to get that done. But yeah, like you were saying, Arians at the Combine in his interview, there's a there's a plan and we know what the plan is, but Jameis doesn't know what the plan is and I'm not going to tell him what the plan is, but maybe I want to go get this guy that's out there, but I, I'm not going to tell you who that is. So yeah, I mean, it's... I love Bruce Arians so much. He's absolutely hilarious in an interview. Um, I'm curious as to what that means. Are they trying to go get Brady? Are they trying to go get Teddy Bridgewater? Um, you know, what is it that they're looking to do to bring in there? I think with Bruce, it's Brady is his plan that he wants to try to go get him. Um, and honestly, if that's the situation and you're looking at the two teams, uh, well, who's got better weapons? You you do you want to throw to Julian Edelman and a limping Mohamed Sanu, or do you want to throw to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard? Like, you know, and we all I mean OJ Howard, if he had Brady, talk about a top ten tight end, you know, he'll skyrocket in the rankings. But um yeah, I, I don't know. It all depends on if they bring him back uh, for another season. I I don't think he gets to forty twenty. Um, but I do think that he could take a step forward. By the way, before we move on, uh, two quick things. Number one, just so I can throw it out there in case he does leave. Yeah, I, I think if Tom Brady leaves, he goes to the Colts. That is my prediction. Uh, number two, I feel like we've buried the biggest breaking news of the entire week, Beth, which <laughs> oh is Tony Romo's God. $17 million <laughs> CBS deal. He's going to be making Holy more than mackerel. What, three quarters of the NFL? Like He's un- going to be making... Pretty much, he's making. He would be. He would be the twentieth highest paid quarterback. Would make more than all the running backs. I think fifth highest paid wide receiver. He will be making more than half crazy. of Dak Prescott's franchise tag if Dak gets tagged. That's that is insane. silly. Yep, that is absolutely silly. But uh, man, I I need a new job. I got I to yeah. figure out how to get into sports Good broadcasting. Yeah, him. unreal. Congratulations, <laughs> Tony Romo. Um, but yeah, yeah just get back Tony. to Jameis real quick. I, Earned it. You know. I don't think these injuries really played a lot of a huge role in terms of how he was playing last year. I, I was kind of being more facetious with asking those questions. However, I mean, you you mentioned it, John. Like Bruce Arians' system, Carson Palmer threw his career yep. high in interceptions in year one in his his season there with Arizona. The second season came out and was playing at an extremely high level. Yeah, really elevating all the the passing weapons there. So he was a top man, five quarterback that season. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I know Okada. I, I know. I don't know. 40-20, honestly, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. 38-22. Let's go. Put there. Hey, I would Fair love enough. it. It would be great to see. And I'm not All saying right. he's a bad fantasy asset for throwing 30 picks because 
obviously he was still a great fantasy asset um, while slinging it all over the field and having those wide receivers to throw to. That's great. I just, for reality purposes, I don't know if he's a winning NFL quarterback. I don't know if he's going to take them to where they want to go for reality's sake, which is what Bruce Arians is looking at, not fantasy numbers. And that's my only concern. Yeah, kind of, I mean, they won, what, seven games last year? Kind of shocking that even with that level of quarterback play, they were able to win seven games. If someone there was not turning the ball over on every other down, yep. easily could have been, you know, a 10 and 6 team. So uh, definitely can see where you're coming from there. All right, guys, that's enough injury news. That's enough uh, updates around the NFL. Let's talk about the NFL Combine. Obviously, you know, yesterday was running backs. The day before, we had wide receivers and quarterbacks on the field. Super exciting. We don't really have anything planned on the show doc for this, so we can just kind of go off the cuff. Let's go Let's go to running backs because John's oh. here. Jonathan Taylor did his thing. John, take the lead, man. Go ahead. Yeah, he did. Jonathan Taylor, 226 pounds, running a 4.39 official 40-yard dash. Um, crazy cool stat that I saw this morning. Only two running backs since 2014. That's six years. That weigh over 225 pounds have run a sub 4440. Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor are the only two that have done it in six years. His athleticism is unreal. His production was unreal. His good injury history is... I, I don't know what other box you want checked for your franchise running back coming out, coming off of back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. He was just shy of 2,000 the year before. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. This is your RB1. This is the guy. He looked fantastic in all the bag drills. He did everything you wanted to see. He looked good catching the ball in the passing passing work yesterday on the field, too. Um, he's an elite prospect. I mean, the more I watch, I've been saying for a couple months that there wasn't anyone on the Saquon Zeke level coming into this. I'm starting to think that he's in that tier. I'm oh, really starting baby. to think when you look Ooh. when you look at everything, you look Whoa. at his production, you look at his measurables, you look at his combine, you look at the entire package coming in, I think that he's on a level where he could do Zeke kind of work. He's not Saquon catching the ball. He's more Zeke than he is Saquon. But I really think that he might be an absolutely elite prospect. I don't think he's going to get like top five draft capital like they did because that's just not how this draft is shaking up with the depth of the position. He's not going to go, you know, early day one. I think he should go day one. Um, and I'm really curious to see where he lands. Um, but I think that he could be a truly elite fantasy prospect. John, I'm going to put you on the spot. He's your boy. He's my boy. My dude. Zeke has a few years in the league, obviously. Lots of, of carries, touches, a little bit off the field concerns. You got to pick right now. You want Zeke or do you want Jonathan Taylor not knowing the landing spot? Jonathan Taylor. In Dynasty. In Dynasty, yeah. I'm taking Jonathan Taylor over yeah, Zeke yeah. because of the youth. Um, and I think that the production is honestly going to be similar. Um, wow. There's not going to be the off the field issues with Jonathan Taylor like there's been with Zeke's holdouts and going to Mexico and all this crap that he's done. That's just not who Jonathan Taylor is. He's an incredibly good kid. Um, I I mean, there's so many teams that could use a running back like him so well in this draft. If he lands in Houston with that offense, if he, Oh my gosh. I know if, if that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to be live streaming and throwing a party for myself. Um, 
Houston would be outstanding. Obviously, Kansas City, I don't know if they're going to use the draft capital, but if he goes to Kansas City, that is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor over Zeke right now in Dynasty. Okada, same question for you. Wow, that is a tough one. The landing spot can have a big impact on that because Zeke is well, in as was. good of a landing spot. The offensive spot line is not what it was in. when he got drafted. It's still good. It's not quite, it's but still it's still top, definitely what, six, upper seven, echelon. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's, I mean, it's not like he's on the tail end of his prime mm-hmm. either. He still has a few years left at least of prime football. Um, and I don't really honestly care about looking more than four or five years into the future with running backs as it is. I think I probably lean Zeke for the safety. Um, his passing game is improving as well. So, you know, that brings in a uh, kind of an aspect of his game he didn't have in his first couple of years. Makes me more well-rounded. But there are several landing spots to John's point where I would probably take Jonathan Taylor above him. I'm just right now pre-draft like the safety a little bit more of Zeke. Taylor might have a little bit higher upside for a little bit longer for your team, but I think that Zeke, I would probably take Quick him counter now. to that. You want a Mike McCarthy sure running back? Free Zeke. Oh! Free Zeke. <laughs> Listen, Mike McCarthy's been dealing with Eddie Lacy. <laughs> uh, this is a whole new thing for him. I think he's going to figure yeah, out but how to But in all honesty, though, okay. with that, that, that's a legit concern if he does call plays. Now, I've heard Kellen Moore is probably going to have more of a leadership role in the offense really be able to help design the plays call plays etc so if that's the case then the whole Mike McCarthy doesn't use his running back thing is less of a concern if McCarthy's calling plays I mean that's a legit concern you guys remember talking about Aaron Jones and saying you know free Aaron Jones let him get the ball for years in Green Bay and it just never happened so that is really interesting I think personally for me I mean if, if Jonathan Taylor is with Kansas City no question if he's with Houston no question I want him over Zeke but right now, if you're asking me today, I will still take Zeke. But obviously, that could change at the end of April when the draft gets here. Uh, Okada, you want to throw out one guy that you think is rising from the NFL Combine? Can be running back, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever you think. Any position. Oh, my. Any position. Um. All right. I, I will go a little bit of a maybe uh, off the beaten path direction here and say a quarterback. And it's not one of the top two or three. I I think Jalen Hurts is climbing for me. I think he was possibly the smoothest looking thrower. And he is clearly very athletic. And if there's one thing we know about fantasy football these days. And by the way, it's almost as if the NFL is paying attention to fantasy football. Because I feel like the NFL is going more diverse, rushing, athletic, versatile quarterbacks across the board which makes a lot of sense because they're harder to defend they bring a whole other aspect to your game that you don't have with a Tom Brady or Philip Rivers um Jalen Hurts brings that to the max uh but he also looked great throwing the ball in his drills at the combine like uh, to me he was the most impressive thrower just from a what did I expect Mm -hmm. and what did I see Justin Herbert also looked very good uh, we didn't get to see the top two guys throw, and I'm sure they would have looked exquisite, but we would have expected that from them. Hertz, I think, looked really good to me. He's likely not a first-round pick, um, so I'm curious to see where he goes and whether that team expects him to be their starter out of the gate. They may not, and I may not hate that. 
Uh, I think we've seen a lot of success with a quarterback sitting behind a guy for a year, uh, a.k.a. Lamar Jackson, although he didn't even make it through the whole year because Joe Flacco was so bad. Um, but it, I would be very interested in where you can get Jalen Hurts in a rookie draft, considering the the versatility he'll bring to the NFL team that he gets drafted by. That's a really interesting call. Team. I mean, that's not someone that I thought we were going to be talking about today, so it's always fun when that happens, and you kind of just think about it. And when you were talking – you know, all I think about with Jalen Hurts is the kid just knows how to win. Like, he gets yep. put in um, a great situation as a freshman and sophomore at Alabama as a starter. And then, you know, kind of just gets pushed out of the way because Tua is amazing. And then all he does is, is work his butt off and then go to Oklahoma and win a ton of games. And, um, you know, obviously he's a hard worker, athletic kid, like Okada was saying. But I really think just being a winner is just an underrated aspect of what a quarterback brings to the field mm-hmm. from a real-life NFL perspective. And so... That is really intriguing. Have you guys seen a grade on where he might go as far as the actual NFL draft? Second round, third round, something like that? I think I've heard mostly second round, at least around the network. Um, I will say it's possibly yeah, so sneaks too. his way into the first, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone is saying that. Yeah, I think he he's checking all the boxes. I don't know if you guys saw his uh, oh, yeah. his little uh, board workout thing yeah. with Steve yeah, Mariucci. Yeah. But he was great in that, too. He seems smart. He knows what he's talking about. He seems like he has a good personality, which is actually really important for quarterbacks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking the kid a lot. So I don't know if we'll go in the first round, but I think he's mainly a yeah, second Yeah, and he was a smooth customer, too, in that interview with, with Mariucci. Just so mm-hmm. smooth, um, so charismatic. Um, yeah, I think that he helped himself the most of any of the quarterbacks. Herbert looked fantastic. Um, he looked like what I thought I was going to see him because yeah. his workout was never a question. His question is consistency and processing and making the right decision at times. I still think he's a really good quarterback. Um, but the questions with Jalen was his ability to throw. Like, is he going to hit these these throws? He looked fantastic, especially in the long ones. Uh, the deep passes that he was doing look great. Um, so, yeah, I think that he helped himself a ton. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He definitely did. He looks really good out there. Um, this quarterback class, man, is shaping out to be really strong. Of course, uh, Jordan Love also projected to go in the first round. So lots mm-hmm. of really good prospects. We're going to break them down in more detail, mm-hmm. obviously, over the next few weeks when we get closer to the NFL draft. I think my biggest riser personally in this class right now, um, John, you and I just talked about this guy. AJ Dillon, like let's I mean, go, thick this, freakness, thick freakness, yes, oh, thick freakness as John has named him uh, with two C's. If you're wondering what the heck we're talking about, listen to the last podcast. Check oh out his gosh. article on the website. Um, but man, at his size, like, did I think he was going to come out and run? What was it like a four four seven something like that? Uh, it was I a four know. five three, but that's still four, five, absurd. Okay, at two hundred and forty seven yeah, pounds. Yeah, at that's. Yeah. yeah, at that size, faster is, than is unreal. Now, he ran faster than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, and we were, you know, we were texting about that last night, John. We yeah. were like, eh, "That's not great." Obviously, we'd love to see him a little bit faster uh, in the forty. But for a guy that that size and that speed, I, I think it just shows his athletic profile. And we talked about it, John, on the last show. So I don't want to beat a dead horse, but essentially, if he goes to the right system where they're going to use him similar to an offense that used Derrick Henry the way that you know he was used. A.J. Dillon is really, really intriguing to me. You know what might be really interesting would be him playing a second fiddle uh, in Buffalo. 
yeah. would be interesting. I like that. Having the yeah. size and the ability to just pound and you put... Um, uh, mm. Thank you. Kevin Singletary. Absolute blank. Put Singletary, Singletary in more of an Austin Eckler role. Um, and that would be really fascinating. Let me just go over AJ Dillon's combine numbers. Six foot two forty seven, nine pounds heavier than Derrick Henry. Ran a four five three forty. Bench twenty three reps. Forty one inch vert at wow. two hundred and forty seven pounds. Hundred and twenty three inch broad. <laughs> That's. I mean, it's crazy. He looked a little bit stiff in some of the drills. Um, yeah. You know, they they weren't to his uh, skill set, but. Uh, he had more speed than I thought he was going to. Absolutely. I thought he'd be in the four, six range. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that was fascinating. He did a great job helping his, helping his case with his workout yesterday. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's important to actually really specifically look at Derrick Henry and how he wins as a running back, which is not by juking somebody right. or, you know, spin moving anyone. He is running you over, and then as soon as there's a little blank, a tiny thing of empty space, yep. taking that up, boo, he's off. And you're like, what the heck is that guy doing moving that fast? And the defenders yep. are all taking the wrong angles, and he's scoring a touchdown. And A.J. Dillon, all those measurables you yep. just listed, he was better than Derrick Henry. And at the same weight, two inches shorter, which I don't hate. Derrick Henry's right. super yeah. tall. That's not really even a great thing for running back. So... Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's an next Derrick Henry, but he and he's be. a spelt two forty seven Henry. Yeah, he's a yeah. spelt so two forty seven. Like you're, you're watching him; they're not wearing yeah. pads, and I'm like, that's two hundred and forty seven pounds. Like the dude doesn't look two forty seven. It's like the way that Aaron Donald doesn't look like his weight is the way that AJ Dillon doesn't look two forty seven. He he looks like hmm. he's two thirty because he's trim, he's cut, but he's two hundred and forty seven pounds of just freaking muscle his quads are like bigger than my torso (laughs) so yeah i mean same way as derrick henry he could just run people over um and that's how he can how he can get it done and win at the next level yeah he certainly has earned his nickname uh thick freakness for sure aj dylan those are our risers how about some followers guys guys that we were hoping to see more out of that disappointed (sighs) let's go back to you john give me your first faller um let's see I'll probably go, yeah, let me go to the position that I normally don't talk enough about. Um, Jalen Rager. That was yeah. that was so disappointing because I am such a Jalen oh. Rager fan. Um, what's interesting about Jalen Rager is his time still wasn't bad, right? He ran a 4.47 um, in the 40, which is still very respectable. But coming out, I mean, he was supposed to be an absolute workout warrior, and that was going to be one of the things that helped his profile because he had a very low production season this last year. Obviously when you look at the, um, like the analytics of it, his dominator rating, his target share, stuff like that, those all check out. Those were great because that offense was so inept, but his raw numbers look terrible from this last season. Um, and to come out and people are saying that he and rugs are going to be in the same neighborhood in a 40 time, um, that they both could be challenging uh, John Ross's 4-2-2. Um, some people were like, well, maybe he won't run a 4-2, but he'll still be like a 4-3-2, like a low 4-3s guy. And then he go 4-4-7, and then his second was 4-5, I think. Um, was really, 
really disappointing. You know, I really thought that he would put up some better speed. But he also looked, I think he came in, is it nine pounds of muscle that he put yeah, on? he was definitely nine heavier or 11. than he was at yeah. TCU. He looked thick. It was nine or 11 pounds that thick. he put on uh, coming in. And, and I just don't think that he was quite up to speed with carrying that weight. That's not how he played throughout the season. So that was uh, that was disappointing. Yeah, shout out to our boy Ray Garvin uh, over at Dynasty oh, League Football. Ray. Uh, oh, Ray. Ray. If you missed oh. it, follow him on, on Twitter at RayGQ. Uh, a good friend of the show, so I feel like we can give him a hard time. He was on our show, and we, we talked about wide receivers with him, and he said, listen, guys, Jalen Rager, I talk to him all the time. We're kind of close. Like He told me he's going to run a crazy fast 40, all this stuff, and obviously it didn't happen, but Ray, <laughs> Ray, uh, Ray got roasted. Had too much Penny and hotcakes the night of. So he was not feeling great when Jalen came out and did not show out the way he thought he would. But like you said, John, you know, put on a little more weight. Um, It doesn't change the fact that he's still a good wide receiver. You know, it's 447 is still plenty, plenty good and plenty fast for the NFL. But I think maybe our expectations were just kind of overblown as far as what he was going to run. Obviously, Henny Ruggs blew him out of the water when you look at those two times. So um, definitely. I don't want to say discouraging, but not quite as exciting as maybe we would be talking about if he had run a 4-3-3 or something like that. Yeah. But still, a really interesting guy. Okada, I'm going to kick it over to you. Do you think that makes Jalen Rager, you know, maybe people kind of get this, like, bias in their head now. Could he actually be a value in drafts? Um... Possibly. I don't know how much a slower than expected 40 will really knock him down in rankings. Probably a little bit. Um, and I'm still not 100% sold on him in general, so it's hard to necessarily say where I do think his value should be. Um, but yeah, certainly it might help a little bit. Whereas if he had run a 4 3 or a 4 2 something, uh, that may have inflated his stock to more than it should be. Maybe this does help keep it around where it should be or a little yeah, below. I think that's pretty a little fair. bit of a value. Okada, I'm going to kick it over to you one more time. Give me one faller from the NFL Combine. All right. I looked around a little bit. And no one super jumped out to me as far as uh, they had a bad day, and so I'm going to knock them down. So I went a little bit of a different direction here while John was talking. Oh, and that was mine. I'm yep. going to say J.K. Dobbins. Now i got to think of a new one. Ha-ha! <laughs> Get wrecked, Mets. Think of a new one. Here's the thing. Uh, and I talked about it with James Name Jones uh, two days ago on the wide receiver. <laughs> no big day. deal. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I can't help it. It's who I'm talking to all day. Um, but the competitiveness that people show at the Combine matters. Uh, it matters to 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 general managers who are going to draft these guys, and I think it matters a little bit to what we see out of them in the NFL. And the reason that J.K. Dobbins yeah. is my pick is because he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything poorly. He just didn't do anything. Um, now, two I think months ago, his ankle injury uh, bets from yeah earlier this year it seemed a little fishy. I also don't think his interview answers were his media interview answers were great. There were some media answers that he gave that kind of. I don't know, just rub me the wrong way a little bit. Listen, he's a very good running back. He had a lot of, you know, his tape is good. He's going to be drafted highly in rookie drafts and probably decently highly in the NFL. He's one of the top five running backs coming in by most scouts, you know, uh, rankings. 
But this does not do him any favors, in my opinion. You got guys coming out here like Jonathan Taylor, uh, like Cam Akers, who I would have had as my next mm-hmm. riser in the running back group. He looked great, uh, post a lot of good numbers, um, and looking good, showing out well. Uh, and he's sitting on the sideline doing diddly squat. Technically, Which doesn't bench, even matter. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, it really doesn't. Um, so, listen, am I saying he's, he drops out of the first round of your rookie draft? No, probably not. But am I saying that maybe I don't feel as great about him as I did coming in and maybe have a little bit of concerns about his uh, off the field? Not like he's going to get in trouble, but just who he is going to be as a player and a person compared to some of these other guys who showed out maybe a little bit. So, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I already had... I already had Akers above him in my rankings before this based on film. And then to me, Akers only got better at the combine with what he did. His footwork was amazing yep. in the bag yeah. drills. Oh my gosh, he yep. looked good. Like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift were like 1A, 1B. Swift ran faster than I thought he would too. Good for him. 449, I think it was. Uh, good number for him. I thought he'd be higher than that. Um they're 1A, 1B in their own tier. If they're their own tier in who ran yesterday, Akers was the one right below that. And he looked fantastic. He did a great job for his stock. And I don't know, GMs who got a chance to actually see him in person and and show off when he's not running behind a terrible offensive line um, might like him a little bit more than Dobbins because of a recency bias. You might get You might see Akers go higher than J.K. Dobbins in the NFL draft. It might happen, even though Dobbins has the production. Yeah. I wouldn't be too surprised. Also, really quick while we're on the subject of Cam Akers, since we didn't get to talk about him in the risers, Love there's it. a great comp between him and Dalvin Cook Love it. that I just had to drop. Obviously, they both went to Florida State. Same exact height. Akers is seven pounds heavier, ran the 40 in two hundredths of a second Let's faster, go. and then a five-inch higher vertical jump. So, yeah, I'm not – listen – there's a good chance that he is going to be one of the best values, in my opinion, in your dynasty rookie draft. If you can get him in the latter Same. half of the first, I'm going to feel yeah, pretty good I mean, about that. If I got him in the back half of the first, I'd be ecstatic. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like John's going to yeah. keep hyping him up too much, and that probably won't happen for our listeners, but we'll <laughs> see. Uh, but shout out to John, man. Like You were on it before other people, and it's fun to see this actually come to fruition. And, and obviously, there's so much more to happen, and we're just kind of oh, evolving yeah. the process. But yeah. Yeah, on Cam Akers, a little bit lower than consensus on J.K. Dobbins. And I think these past couple of days have really kind of solidified that as of now. Now, of course, landing spot can change everything. So we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens. But yeah, man, shout out to you for putting in the work, watching the film. Uh, It looks really good. My biggest faller at this point, we have to talk about it. It's Zach Moss uh, out of Utah, a guy that John and I just talked about a few (sighs) days ago. The 40-yard dash. Now, let's start with this. 4.72 4.72 and 4.7 are absolutely horrific. Um, you know, well, skull emoji official, times three, done. Like, what was his official? His official was 4.65. Okay. Wow, so, that's... Why was it yeah, so far off? It was seven one-hundredths different. Um, wow, okay. From the unofficial. So that w- that makes a difference, but that's still not good. Live on the show, biggest riser, <laughs> Zach Moss. <laughs> um, that's actually super encouraging because yeah, what I was going to say different. next is that, yes, what I was going to say next is that there has not been a running back two in fantasy football in the last two, I'm sorry, four seasons dating back to 2015 
that has run a 4740. So if he's running a 465, then certainly that opens up the window. Now, I've put it out on the article. Yeah, hit it. John and I have talked about it uh, as well. Basically, the cutoff that I found with the threshold of producing fantasy football content and uh, production, I should say, is 458 is kind of the magic number. Now, of course, there's people that run slower that are very good, people that run faster that we never see do anything, but the consistency year to year is right about that mark. So I would like to see Zach Moss at his pro day increase his time or get faster if he can because there was also news that came out that he tweaked his hamstring during the vertical. Now, I, now I'm, I'm, I'm talking completely out of what people are saying, but from a medical yeah. perspective... If you strain your hamstring doing a vertical jump, that's not very common. The other thing is, if it's really that big of an issue, you don't run the 40-yard dash as fast as possible. So either someone was telling Zach Moss terrible advice, or he just made a stupid decision. Because if he was really that affected by it, then you know you should never have been out there in the first place. And if he was out there and he wasn't that banged up, I don't know that we'll see as big of a jump at his pro day as what some people are thinking. I'm kind of stuck with Zach Moss because before this, I was definitely higher than John on him. I'm not really sure what to do now. Okada, what are your thoughts on Zach Moss? Um, yeah, it's not encouraging for sure. Um, but listen, it's hard not to overreact a little bit to a lot of these combine drills. Um, you see a guy run a four six five who you expect to be faster, or a four four seven in the case of Rager, who you expect to be in the four threes, and you think, oh my goodness, they're not as advertised. I'm gonna knock them down two rounds in my rookie draft. Um and it it's probably it's more often than not, it's not the right move to, to overreact too heavily. Having said that, personally I wasn't necessarily a big fan myself coming in of Zach Moss, and this clearly doesn't help. Um so I'm probably more in the John camp here, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely more of a follower yeah. for sure. Um, and, and that was the thing, right? Like watching the tape, um, speed and agility were the problems that I had with Moss, and and he doesn't have the sheer size and power to do what a Derrick Henry does. Like he he doesn't have that size. He's smaller than Jonathan Taylor. Like he's he's a smaller running back. He's three pounds lighter. Than Jonathan Taylor is. He came into the combine at 223, Taylor at 226. So it's not like he's this massive, bruising running back that's going to win on sheer power, even though he broke a ton of tackles in college. But yeah. my concern was speed and agility and ability to get to the outside or make someone miss. Um, and all that he did was confirm that he's not fast. So also the hammy thing, yeah. I, I love you saying that, uh, yeah, pulling a hammy while jumping vertically, uh, kind of rare. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a got him kind of moment. Um, but then he still goes out and he runs the 40 twice. And then he went out and he did all of the workouts. So how much was it really bothering him? Like, yeah. I, I don't know if that was just his agent dropped that little nugget in someone's ear to like try and help his case a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where that exactly came from, but you know, he looked okay in the bag drills. He looked, um, like it wasn't really bothering him in the bag drills and obviously it could have been, but, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't huge on Moss coming in. Um, I might actually move him down one more spot. Um, at this point, I thought Keyshawn Vaughn looked a lot better than Moss did. 
Um, oh yeah. So yeah, that was a very discouraging um, combine for for Moss. Yeah, it really was, and I think we'll find out how much the hamstring was really quote unquote bothering him or not at the pro day. If he runs something similar, then you know that was all. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's true, but maybe it just doesn't affect the way he performs. So right. We'll see. Uh, those are our biggest riders and followers after the combine. Let's put our money where our mouth is, guys. Let's do a quick rookie mock draft. We're going to talk about a, a super flex mock draft. We're going to go 12 spots. Um, we will each pick uh, four different players, the three of us, and we will just go in order. But before we do get into that, Okada, we have another live read from one of our sponsors. Ooh. Okay, so bets. We were able to get in touch with a company called Upright Go. They have a posture trainer, uh, which they actually sent to us to try out before we uh, hit them up as a sponsor or started uh, repping their product because we wanted to know if we believed in it before we started talking to you guys. And I believe in it. So I'm here to tell you, you should get one. Basically, it is this small... like. I don't know how big a Fig Newton is, Ben. No, I, I how do you know Newtons, that? But I know you love Fig Newtons. <laughs> is it about that? the size of a Fig Newton? <laughs> I have my ways. I have I cameras. Do love a Fig Newton. <laughs> Breaking news: Ben is eighty years old. Newton. You can confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. Anyways, it is a very small little device. It has a little sticky pad on the back, and they give you a bunch of extra ones. You put it. You stick it between your shoulder blades. Um, and once it's there for an hour or so, you don't even really realize it's there unless you start to slouch. And if you do, it gives you a little vibration. You set it up with your phone. Uh, there's an app on your phone, and you uh, set your your desired or perfect posture, and then it measures when you get out of that posture. I wore this thing for a couple days last week. Then I put it back on the charger. I haven't worn it since, but I need to get it back on. In fact, I'll probably do it right now. It was incredible. I felt more energy at the end of the day. I, at least 50 times throughout the day, was buzzed by this thing to improve my posture. And you have all heard that posture is important. I'm sure Beth could tell yes, you sir. about the health benefits of having good posture. I absolutely, yeah, I noticed them immediately. Uh, I feel like my my you know neck and shoulder pain reduced from wearing this thing for a couple days. Um, and not only that, but after only a couple days, I could self-correct myself uh, without having it on because I had so constantly been trained by this buzzing to fix it. So after wearing it for a little while, you will, you'll start to fix yourself without even having it on. But it will get you there, and it will make a big difference. So retrosfantasyfootball.com slash posture. You get 10% off if you use our code of this device. It is makes a difference and it will matter go get one and improve your posture definitely and you that's will kind of the biggest it. thing that i see in the clinic with my patients that have back pain or neck pain it's like you know what's the low-hanging fruit oh what do you do all day at work oh well i work on a computer for eight hours a day posture 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 is huge um so yes we are super excited to partner with these guys all right fellas we have a rookie mock draft coming up i have randomly selected the order and i almost want to change it because you know what happened we're doing Superflex. Okada got 1.01, and John got 1.02. Now, if oh! John goes 1.02, I think we can just skip the pick. He's going Jonathan Taylor. So yep. I'm going to I'm gonna call it an audible on this one. <laughs> Okada, you got 1.01. I'm going to go 1.02. Oh, John, you okay. got 1.03, just because I want you to diversify your analysis. Dang it. A little okay. bit here. Uh, so with that being said, Okada, you were on the Ooh. clock. Superflex, rookie mock, 1.01. Wow, okay. This is interesting because... 
I'm not 100% sold on my 101 yet. I'm a little bit up in the air between the top two quarterbacks, so I kind of would have rather gone 102. (laughs) And unless 1.01 goes Jonathan Taylor, and then you're stuck still making the same decision. Well, yes. If you had gotten it, that'd be a whole mess. Um, You know what? I'm I'm going to break them a little bit. I'm going to take Tua. I'm going to take Tua number one over Joe Burrow. Uh, there are a few different reasons, um, but just overall, I actually feel a little bit better about Tua coming into the NFL than I do about Joe Burrow. We've seen a lot of guys have massive end of you know college seasons, uh, show up huge in one year, and then kind of disappear yeah. a little bit in the NFL. Uh and and there's this is a weird thing to say, but there's almost something to be said for when a guy is like too perfect, you kind of just feel like something is going to be off. Listen, Burrow's an incredible prospect. I don't think he's the next Andrew Luck level prospect, like a lot of people have said. Um, certainly, you can make those kinds of comparisons if you want. I'm not going to. Uh, and he's going to be a top two pick. I think there's a chance to a actually does jump him at some point. We'll see. It might take the Bengals going a different direction. Uh, than Burrow at one for that to happen, but aka Chase Young. Um, but all that said, I I'm going to take Tua at the 101. Yeah, I like it. I, you know, it's breaking the mold, right? Like everyone's doing these and everyone's talking about Joe Burrow 1.01. Okay, let's just move on. But there is a legit conversation to be had because if mm-hmm. Tua didn't have the hip injury, personally, I would have had him as my top ranked quarterback in this class. Do all three sure. of us agree and on that? Is that exactly? I think we do. Nice. I think we do. Okay, cool. But I will say, of course, the hip injury matters, right? Like, there's been glowing reports coming from his rehab, from his uh, MRI, which is great news. I really, really, really hope to see him succeed because he's such a fun kid to root for. But it still will be a slower first year. But, of course, we're talking dynasty. We're talking looking out, what, three years, maybe four, maybe five if you're really long-term. And beyond that, it's all question marks. So, with that being said, taking Tua 1.01 is definitely uh, a reasonable choice. And I kind of support it, to be honest with you. But that makes my life way easier because I'm going to take Joe Burrow at 1.02. Um, you know, super yeah. flex. Obviously, <laughs> we don't have to break it down too much. Those two guys are both going to go top three, uh, maybe top five if one of them slips, which I don't see happening. But Joe Burrow stepping right in as a starter in the NFL. Obviously, a very, very strong season there to end his career at LSU. I'll take him at 1.02. John, say it. Who are you taking 1.03? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit confused about this exercise of swapping well, listen, picks. And listen, here he listen, is listen, because I thought you were going to take Joe Burrow. Burrow. And then at two, I was probably going to take Taylor. Taylor. Oh. And then to see what John had to force do. Force my hand. Yeah. Yeah, kind of force hand. But hey, okay. John, this is your chance. Okay. Give me 20 seconds. Uh, Anything else you want to say? 20 seconds. Uh, over 6,000 <laughs> career rushing yards. Uh, the only the second running back to run a sub four four forty at over two hundred and twenty five pounds in six years, um, shows prowess in the passing game more so than was utilized. Uh, is good at football, so I'm gonna go with the. Um, I, I'm gonna say that he's the best running back prospect since Saquon uh, to come in, and I'm I'm going JT twenty three baby. Yeah, color me color me surprised on that one there. Nice, yeah, nice, nice. Shot it back to you here. You have the fourth pick in the first round. No, 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 no snake. Oh, we're not snaking. Okay, okay. 
Ooh, well, that's tough then, because I was hoping to have the, the end of the snake, because I like a lot of guys coming up, and I think I could have taken the worst of them when it got back to me. Um, I'm, 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 it's a tough one. This is this tough. Is hard. It's tough for me. I want, I want to take the first. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to break the mold here. I feel like the mold is probably to take yep. DeAndre Swift. I'm going to go take the first yes, receiver, CeeDee Lamb. So cool with it. That is going to be my pick. Yeah. So I think I think CeeDee Lamb is not necessarily pulling away, but cementing himself maybe a little bit as the top wide receiver for me above Jerry Judy. Um, uh, he's great. In every way that you can be great, he is great. He is versatile. He can run all the routes. He he's great yak. He obviously has the production. Um, he's a dominant receiver. Yep. He can be a one. He will be a one uh, for a team. Um, so it depends on where he goes, how quickly that will translate to greatness. But I think it's probably going to translate pretty quickly, regardless. And within a few years, I think you're going to have a wide receiver one on the your way team. that he adjusts in the air just screams DeAndre Hopkins. Like, yeah. the way that he can contort his body mm. in the air and adjust to the throw. And he just showed it. His last catch, his walk-off drop mic yeah. at the combine, that twirling catch, toe tap, and then roll out of bounds. And everyone's like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Like, you need to, like, hold on, don't get hurt. Um, but that yeah. catch was, you know, a great example of something that he's just done his entire college career. Yeah, the dude's a stud. I mean, yep. I, I don't want to say this because I don't want to put out just, like, outlandish statements but to me he's feeling more and more every day like a can't miss prospect like he's he's so good his production profile is so yep. fitting um his athleticism i mean you can't say enough good things about the kid and there's a lock that he goes in the top 15 picks so yeah he's going to be an absolute stud in the nfl i love that call okada but i feel like you're making my job too easy because now i follow you and i was going to take lamb if you didn't and now i'm going to take deandre swift uh one guy that you know he's 1a 1b like yep. john said with jonathan taylor Honestly, I'm going to go back and forth on those two guys 17 times before the NFL draft, probably. And then when the draft happens, I'll know my answer based off landing spot. So I'm very comfortable taking DeAndre Swift here. Very agile, very elusive in the open field. Really good um, in all facets, honestly. Good pass pro. So I expect him to find the field early in his NFL career. Probably around one pick. I will take DeAndre Swift. John, we are back to you here. You are on the clock at 1.06. So if this happened in real life, um, and it actually, I guess it's pretty feasible that it does, but if Jerry Judy's available at 1.06, that is a screaming bargain. Um, yeah, I'm going Jerry Judy. Um, I mean, elite wide receiver prospect, you know, just like we've been talking about 1A, 1B with Swift and Taylor, it's 1A, 1B with him and Lamb. I do feel like Lamb is, is cementing himself as the one, but... Um, Judy right behind him, great wide receiver, great production profile in a stacked offense. Um, you know, to be able to pull away in a wide receiver core that has like four alphas basically is, is crazy. Um, yeah, I think Jerry Judy at 1.06 is a steal. So Jonathan Taylor and, uh, and Judy, um, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I mean, like you said, it's. I don't know that people are viewing him this way, but it almost feels like CeeDee Lamb's just so, like, he's the hotness right now. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, Jerry Judy, yeah, 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 we know about him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a legit scenario that could play out. The sixth or seventh pick, you could get Jerry Judy, and that would be an absolute steal. So yeah. I might have to uh, 
Might have to make some trades for some mid or late first and see what happens here in my dynasty leagues. Okada, <laughs> we're back to you. 1.07, who are you taking? Well, uh, first of all, I would like to make this the official start of a, <laughs> a league, a three-man league between the three Same. of us because I am loving my team because I have what I think is the best quarterback for Dynasty since I drafted him 101, uh, what I know is the best receiver for Dynasty in CeeDee Lamb, and yep. now I'm going to take Cam Akers, who I think is the biggest running back value of this group so far. Uh, I talked about him a couple times already on this so pod. Good. He was great at the Combine. He was greater at Florida State. Uh, everything you could ask of him, he did well. He is a dominant running back, good in the pass-catching game. He was great with a poo-poo team uh, around him, which means if he goes somewhere that's not quite you know, your ideal landing spot, it might not matter as much. He's not going to come off the field uh, on third downs because of his pass-catching ability. I think he's extremely versatile and well-rounded and is going to be very productive for the next level. So... Uh, what did I say? A second half? Did I say yep. second half? You get a steal, Officially. and I'm in the second half. Oh, look at that! Mm, look at that! <laughs> Let's go! Yeah, I, I think we we've said enough probably about Cam Akers on the show, but I think we're all in agreement that that is really solid value um, for sure at the 1.07. For me, I'm going to go at, at 1.08. I'm going back to the quarterback position. I'm going to take Justin Herbert here. Um, obviously, we are at a super flex draft. Quarterbacks matter so much in that type of format, and you know, everyone's talking about. Those two at the top, right? Tua and Burrow. But let's not forget, Justin Herbert, everyone was saying the dude should have come out last year. He'd yep. easily be the best quarterback in the class. So it's not like he's that far off of those guys. And he will still be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft uh, in April. So I'm very comfortable taking Herbert here. I like him as a prospect. I obviously prefer Tua and Burrow ahead of him. But here at the eighth pick, yeah, I'll take Justin Herbert. Well, thank you uh, for making my job easy again. Um, because I really thought that you were going to go this route. Uh, give me CEH. Yeah, buddy. Um, ah, boy. I love me some CEH. Dang it. I finally um, got I do, Even though his 40 time was uh, very suboptimal at 4.6, um, I'm still so shocked by that. I, I don't know what happened. Um, but he plays so quick and loose and agile. He is the best receiving back in this class, bar none. Um, he causes insane mismatches on linebackers. Um, yeah, I mean, he does everything that you want to see from from you know today's running back. It, honestly, right now, he and Akers are really close for me. I currently have him ranked above Akers. I'm going to have to do a lot of reevaluating um, because Akers might jump him uh, in my ranks. Um, but CEH is fantastic. And where are we? We're at the eight. We're at nowhere. Uh, that was pick nine. Nine. One point oh nine to get CEH. Um, I love that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um great value there. He's someone that's gonna come in and contribute uh both uh, he's not gonna leave the field. Or if he yeah, he's not gonna leave the field. If they need to bring in someone else that's better in pass protection, that's great. They'll just put him in the slot. Like he's he's gonna stay on the field. He's gonna produce a ton in PPR. Uh I love it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. And real quick, just for our listeners who maybe you're not aware, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is CEH, obviously way easier yeah. to say the three initials. Um, but everyone was very concerned about his 40 time, as John alluded to, way slower than what we thought he was going to run. But Lance Zerline came out today on Twitter, and obviously he covers the NFL draft uh, very well for the NFL Network, saying, basically, I have talked to people that are running back coaches and that are scouting these running backs. 
they literally could not have cared less about his 40 time because like John was saying, that's not his game. Like he's not a long speed type of player. He's quick. He's shifty. He's in and out of his breaks if he's running routes. So it doesn't really matter for a player like that. So I just want to throw that out there to ease everyone's concern about the 40. Uh, Okada, we're back to you. Your last pick here is the 10th pick in the first round. Oh, boy. Um, there is a lot of directions I could go here, certainly. Uh, making your last pick, I feel like you could just throw out something interesting just for fun. Uh, I, uh, it's not... It's No. There's no tight ends that belong here. Uh, although, I, there was a tight end who stood out to me at the Combine that I like. I don't know where he'll fall in drafts yet, but it's not here. Uh, there's a couple quarterbacks I could look at. Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts, both are interesting to me. Uh, but again, I don't think I need to take them here in the first... Um, so I'm going to swing down to a wide receiver who theoretically yep. disappointed with his 427. <laughs> uh, 427 is not disappointing. I don't care what you expected from him. Uh, thinking he was going to break John Ross's record was honestly a huge stretch, anyways. He was blazing fast. This is Henry Ruggs the third. Um, listen, this guy. It doesn't really matter too much where he goes as long as his quarterback can throw the ball mildly well. But if he goes to a, a couple very, um, I would say, advantageous yep. situations mm. like the Eagles bets, although I don't know if they're high enough to get him, um, he could absolutely tear this league up. He could be a Tyree Kill type player. Certainly Tyree Kill in one of the best situations you could possibly be in for a guy like him. Um, but he is incredibly fast, and he has more to his game than just speed. He's a good overall receiver, uh, and I think he's going to be very productive no matter where he goes. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll take just about anything that he pleases to the house <laughs> for a touchdown. So that's always good for fantasy. So, uh, yeah, the give me slow Henry Ruggs, 427, <laughs> turtle speed. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like people just get so excited about these <laughs> forty times, and then if you're off by like point oh three or point oh four, everyone's like, "Oh, I disappointed." The dude is absolutely blazing fast. So yeah, it's it's he's an exciting prospect, and if he lands with the Eagles, I'll be very excited about that because that's exactly what they need: speed, speed, more speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is back mm-hmm. to me here. I'm going to go at one point eleven. There's two names that are sticking out to me, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Jalen Rager. We talked about him a lot. Um, I don't think we need to say a lot more about him. I'm higher, okay. it sounds like, than Okada. I'm not sure where John falls, but uh, I like the prospect. I like this kid. I think he's going to really improve as far as taking a step to the next level. The biggest knock on him is the poor offense that he played in and a lack of a d- diverse route tree, but I think he can learn that. I think his game might take a year to really translate to the NFL, so this is a pick that I wouldn't be taking if I'm like, oh, man, this guy is going to be my wide receiver, too, this year, like maybe a CD lamb, maybe a Jerry Judy. So maybe a, a play more for 2021, but I still like Jalen Rigger a lot. Nope. Fine with it. Don't hate it. All right, John, close us out here. 1.12. Who are you taking? Um, earlier in this podcast, we happened to speak about a certain running back, uh, who decided to bench press and then leave. And this is exactly what I brought up earlier. Recency bias, the combine, what everyone is thinking, who's going to just disappear from people's minds. J.K. Dobbins is sitting here at (laughs) 1.12. I just forgot all that, honestly. (laughs) He's sitting here 
This was an intentional exercise yes, for our yes, listeners to see what you meant. Um, but it is true because the wide receiver class is so stacked. Um, yep. There's so much talent there. Henry Ruggs tore up the combine, looked fantastic, ran out of his shoes, was absolutely great. Um, Rager's got a lot of hype around him. Everyone's fine with that. Um, this could happen. I could see this happening. And if J.K. Dobbins is sitting there at the 12, I mean, you're you're getting a potential, you know, RB1 at the end of the first round. That's crazy. Um, I have my own concerns about J.K. Dobbins. This is right where I have him ranked, though, in terms of who's gone in front of him. We had Akers, we had CEH, and here's J.K. Dobbins, my RB5, the fifth running back off the board. At the end of the first, totally fine with that value. He's not someone I'm going to take at 1.04. J.K. Dobbins, fifth best running back in this class in my rankings. Um, he's the fifth running back to go off the board, and he's available at 1.12 in this mock. So that fits where I would have him. I have him lower than some. Um, I'm not going to spend the you know the mid-first pick on him. If he's there at the end of the first like this, absolutely, I'll take him. Yeah, and honestly, like I'm kind of happy this worked out the way it did because it's, I think it's good for our listeners to be like, you know, we're all like, obviously we talk about this a lot, <laughs> we studied a lot. I but did. Like, I totally forgot J.K. Dobbins at 111. Okada, I'm sure, forgot J.K. Dobbins at 110. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad this happened. It's it's good for our listeners to see um, what recency bias does. Um, I will say, fellas, let's close this, out the show. Anything else? For I the think people you before get, we get to see here? from this how deep this class is because that whole first round is mighty fine. Um, J.K. Dobbins is not necessarily always going to fall to the 12, but he's going to be potentially at this point in that range. Yeah, nine or later. And if you're getting a guy like that that late, you know that the whole entire round and the whole entire class is very, very nice. And certainly Superflex helps with that, especially when there's this many great quarterbacks. But yeah, it's going to be good. So uh, first round picks have value this year. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at I'm looking at names that are still available. The, the first half of the second mm-hmm. looks great. I mean, Justin Jefferson is still out there who balled out. Uh, Mims Higgins. had a fantastic combine. Um, T. Higgins is still available. I mean, there yep. are still three, four, five Chanel. wide receivers. Um, Brian Edwards, Chanel. I mean, there are still guys. Uh, yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn still mm. available. Uh, Thick Freakness, A.J. Dillon um, could be a late... Could be a late second uh, bargain. I mean, there's still a lot of value on the board. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, I'm going to close out the show here and go make some <laughs> dynasty trades, try to get some second-round picks for sure. Fellas, this was a lot of fun. It's always good talking rookies. Of course, it's super exciting to see what could happen in the NFL at the next level, uh, analyzing the combine, etc., which we are going to keep doing more and more as the days unfold. We'll probably be back uh, later in the week, this week, or next week to kind of talk about more rookie content maybe we'll do a little bit more free agency preview with that right around the corner we shall see follow us on twitter at the fantasy pt okada is at matt okada john is at jcw Helmcamp, and of course you can follow the show at retreats ff pod until next time we are the retreats thanks for tuning in to this episode of the red shirts fantasy football podcast Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.